Welcome to an Impact Ministries production, brought to you by Impact Ministries World Changers, changing the way the world sees God. Learn how you can become a world changer today by visiting www.impactministries.com. Now, here's your host, founder of Impact Ministries and developer of Heart Physics, the self-development programs that have changed thousands of lives around the world, Dr. Jim Richards. Hey, I'm Jim Richards. I want to welcome you to this installment of Impact Cyber Church. This is where we go to church with the whole world. You know, right now as you're watching this, this is being shared in every nation in the world that has the capability to have internet. And it's, it's done on many different platforms, not just through one particular uh, platform or one particular company, because we are serious about the fact that Jesus wants us to preach the gospel of the kingdom to the ends of the earth, and that will make it possible for Jesus to return. Now, this is not just about preaching anything to the ends of the earth. It's not just preaching some version of the gospel. It's the version of the gospel uh, of the kingdom of God, which is what Jesus taught, which, which taught the, the difference between salvation, getting born again, and actually entering into the kingdom realm. They are not the same thing. When you get born again, you have the opportunity and the capacity to see and perceive that there is a kingdom realm and uh, you can enter into it or you may not enter into it. In other words, you can, you can be like, like a, a Joshua and Caleb, uh, and you can enter into the promised land, which is a type of the kingdom of God, or, or you can be like all the rest of the children of Israel, the great majority of people who uh, roamed around in the wilderness because they just did not trust God. But it's your choice. God is not going to make the selection for you. So, my name is Jim Richards. If you've never been here with me, I'll tell you, I, I love God. I love people. I love life. I love to help people. And I love the fact that Jesus is going to come back and, and, and redeem us out of this world. You know, today I'm going to talk to you about understanding God. Now, so many people would immediately kind of have a knee-jerk reaction to that, and they're like, whoa, 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 you can't understand God, Dr. Jam, what's the deal here? And, and, you know, I've had many people say, you know, the Bible says God works in mysterious ways, his wonders to perform. Well, what's really interesting, that, like many things we have been taught, is not in the Bible. There's nowhere in the Bible, nowhere in any translation that I've been able to find that it says that God works in mysterious ways. And people quote that, even though it's not in the Bible, because really people have settled for a life that says, you know, really you can't ever understand God. You can never know what he wants. And I'm probably never going to be good enough, you know, uh, and, but I'm going to have an excuse that, I, that, that he's too mysterious to understand. So I'm never even going to try to understand him. Well, you know something? That's what happened to the children of Israel. The reason tens of thousands or hundreds of thousands of people roamed in the wilderness for 40 years without entering into the promised land is because when they had an opportunity to go up on Mount Sinai and meet God face to face, they chose not to go. They told Moses, they said, you go and find out what he wants, and then you come back and tell us. Well, why in the world would anybody do that? Well, I'll tell you why. 
because they were religious. You know, the children of Israel, God told them, he said, look, be holy as I am holy. Now, religion has twisted that all up, made something stupid, something goofy. But the reality of it is, to be holy means to be uncommon, to be unlike anything else. And so God is saying, I am unlike any of the gods you've ever worshipped. I am unlike the gods of Egypt. I am unlike the gods that people sacrifice to. I'm unlike any idea you have about me. And because I am, and really what he says in so many words over and over again, because I am a God of love. I want to be a father to you. I do not want to rule over you with an iron hand. But see, everything they knew about the gods were that the gods were mysterious, the gods were cruel, the gods were, were vengeful. And, uh, and, and they had a slave mentality that said, you know, every day we just got to get up and figure out how to keep the gods from killing us. And God said, now, number one, I am not like all those other gods. Number two, I do not want you to have any of those beliefs because if I'm holy, if I'm unlike that, and you want to walk with me, you got to be holy. And by that, he's saying you can't believe everything that everybody else believes and ever really come to know who I really am. Well, as it turns out, and, you know, the, the Word of God has the Scripture that says that the difference between Moses, and I would say ultimately when you, when you read the historical biblical accounts of, of what happened with Joshua and Caleb, they wanted to know God's ways. They wanted to understand God. Everybody else just wanted to see his actions, his deeds, his miraculous things. Well, I got news for you. We got a whole world of people out there that identify as Christians and, and uh, that really don't want to know God. They really don't want to have a personal, they don't want the cumbersome, uh, uncomfortable, time-consuming effort that it takes to have a relationship because it is a relationship. The effort is not in trying to make God happy with you. If you believe on the Lord Jesus and believe that he actually is the perfect representation of God and you believe that everything that God has for you, uh, you've been qualified through the death, burial, and resurrection. Well, guess what? That's faith. And when you have faith, when you trust what God says that he has already done, then you please God. And without faith, without trusting what God has already done, what God has said that he's already done, what God has said that he's already, if you don't trust what has already been done, then it's impossible to please God. And really what you are saying is, uh, I think you're a liar. I don't, I don't think you're faithful. I don't think you'll keep your word. And sadly right now, most of the world that identifies as Christian thinks God is unreliable. They think his word is not totally true. And in reality, they think their opinions are more reliable and more true than what the Creator God has done and has recorded so that we can not just know Him in the sense that I know who you are, but you know the word know. When Jesus used the word know about knowing Him, knowing God, that word was about intimately experiencing God. In other words, having experiences because you were intimate, having experiences because you were connected, you would come to know somebody with whom you were that intimate and that close. So. You know, when we, when we start understanding God, then it's really, you know what, uh, it's, it's, it's really hard to mess everything up. I'm telling you, it, you know, uh, I was thinking about this the other day. When people would come to work for me, I would give them an orientation. And, you know, I'm, I, I am not a micromanager. I, you know, I, I want to make sure you understand your job. I want to make sure you understand how, 
specifically how we want to treat people, what our goals are in serving mankind and helping them connect with God. And, uh, and one of the things in our orientation, because every staff member ha- you know, would have to go through an orientation. Now, most of the people now, we don't have a big staff like we did for decades. Uh, we have a very small office staff that really knows how to work the plan, if you will. But one of the things that we always teach is how do you treat people? How do people feel? You know, you, you say you're ministering to the person. Well, how do they feel when you get through? Because if you minister to people in a way that makes them feel worse, makes them feel condemned, makes them feel ignorant, makes them feel rejected, whatever, then, then the real truth is you haven't evidently ministered in love or you haven't been picking up the signals that they're sending back to you. But I would always tell people, particularly our leaders, I said, now listen, we're all going to have frustrations with people. And many times when we express something, it's going to sound very frustrating, very negative. And so I, so I would say, now look, if I'm in a staff meeting and somebody presents a problem that does have to be dealt with, a serious problem that, you know, that we got to work through, you know, I might get really frustrated at that moment. I might look at you and, and because it's your department. I might say, I want you to deal with this now. Do not put it off. Deal with this now. And so one of the questions I would always ask my staff members would be, so if you heard me say that with a strong tone of voice, if you heard me say that and you could tell I was visibly agitated, how would you interpret that? Well, what I, and, and, well, I'll just go ahead and say, and so in the orientation, I would say, it doesn't matter how agitated I am. It doesn't mag- matter how agitated you are. It doesn't even matter how angry we are, even if it's justified anger. That does not change how we relate to people. That does not change how we communicate with people. See, we have this idea that if somebody says something in a harsh way, it's like, oh, well, let's throw walking in love out the window. Oh, let's throw good relationships out the window. Oh, you know, let's go beat this person up, you know. No, that's, that, you're never getting from me the right to go jump on somebody, to beat them up, to criticize them, to condemn them even though I might say it in a very strong tone of voice. I'm going to try not to because I know people are going to misunderstand that. But, you know, that's kind of the way we are. And, and really, we project onto God. See, when, when the Bible says that, uh, that Jesus came and, and, and preached peace through the cross to those who were alienated from God by their wicked works in their mind. Now, the concept of projection, the word projection is never used anywhere in the Bible, uh, but the concept of projection is used everywhere in the Bible. And the concept of projection means we project things onto other people uh, based on maybe how we see things, based on how we would usually do things, and largely based on our, how we feel. So. Jesus didn't say you're alienated from God because God is sick of you and God, God's finished with you and God doesn't love you anymore because you committed some sin that is so grievous uh, that it would, you know, it has the power to make God reject you. That's, that's not at all what that scripture says. The Bible says you're alienated from God in your wicked works because of how they affect your thinking, because of how they affect your emotions, your mind, uh, your opinion about things. And so, so, you know, religion always uses fear and force to try to bring you into control. And the real truth is religion doesn't even care 
if you align yourself with God, religion cares if you align yourself with religion. Do you align yourself with that church? Do you pay your tithes? Do you show up? And I'm not saying all churches are that way. I am not trying to get you to have a bad attitude toward church. Man, I'm telling you what, I know, I know of more phenomenal churches today. And I've been in the ministry. You know, next year will be 50 years in ministry. And I got news for you. I know of more phenomenal churches and pastors today than I ever have in any time in my ministry life. There are great churches out there. And I'm telling you what, we're, we're coming into a time in the world where you're going to be thanking God for a great church and, and great ministers who are going to help you through what, what we're going to be facing pretty soon. But the point is this, you know, uh, religion and I'm not, church and religion are not one and the same. A lot of churches are religious, and if they are, get out of them, stay away from them, go find a church that teaches you to believe in the Lord Jesus, that teaches you everything in the Bible is true, you know, it teaches you that Jesus is the exact representation of God. In other words, where you really discover the truth about God. Don't ever stay in a bad church. The Bible tells you, in fact, to stop listening to anything, you know, that, that affects you and your relationship with God and causes you to err in the knowledge of God. And that's, that, that's not what you want to do. But anyhow, you know, the Apostle Paul wrote this, and I, man, I'm telling you what, I had to, I can remember back 30 years ago or longer when I really had to deal with this in my own heart, because this just doesn't make sense. Now, but you got to remember something. You see, the foolishness of God is wiser higher and more powerful uh, than the wisdom of men. You know, we live in a world today where the idea is you need to one-up everybody. The idea is if you forgive somebody, you're a punk. Or actually, they use worse language than that about people. You're weak. You're soft. And so, you know, the world has a way that they say, this is how we get what we want. This is how we have a great life. This is how we prosper. And the real truth is, you compare that to what God says, and you realize, no, that's the way you lose all of those things. That's the way you make sure you never prosper, you're never happy, you never feel loved, you never feel safe. And so, and so the world has a way of doing things, and really, the world and the great majority of people who identify as Christian— they really live by the world system. They just use Christian terminology. They just use biblical terminology to make it sound like that, you know, that, that, that they're in the faith or that they're walking in love or, or, you know, or that sort of thing. And they're not. They're actually just gratifying themselves, gratifying their flesh, fulfilling their lust, and destroying themselves and destroying other people in the process. But the Bible says this. this is, I am telling you, this is so far beyond. This is the wisdom of God, actually the foolishness, of the gospel that is more powerful than the wisdom of man. And so, so it says this, it says that even when, and this is in the book of Timothy, it says, even when we are unfaithful, he remains faithful. Now you see, because we can't understand God because we need to feel like we are right. We are the, you know, the, the billboard picture of what it's supposed to be. By the way, you've heard me say this a lot, the mind, always seeks to um, preserve and protect your ego because your ego is your false identity. And the ego creates this image of who you are based on you being right. Well, the heart, on the other hand, the heart actually seeks 
to preserve your identity. And the heart is always willing to uh, adjust your beliefs and help you, help you see yourself and see God and see the world in a, in a different light. And so there's the difference between my identity and my ego. And my ego is all flows out of my intellect. It's all about making me look good. And so, you know, the ego would say that, you know, when you are unkind to me, I, have a, I am justified in changing how I see you. I am justified in treating you differently. I'm justified in being angry and punishing you and all these kinds of things. And I do believe in justice, and the Bible teaches justice. The Bible teaches as far as when people uh, violate uh, certain things uh, toward us uh, that, you know, that there are consequences. That doesn't mean that we're seeking to punish them. That doesn't mean that we're going to justify evil behavior by their evil behavior. But because that is what we do, then we project that onto God and we can never understand how the world works. We can never understand, you know, you know what's going on in the world. We, we can never understand how the blessings of God come. We can never understand how to walk in the, the fulfillment of the promises of God because we're projecting onto our beliefs about God uh, those things that flow out of our own wicked works, if you will. So uh, I have to realize that if I'm going to come to God, you know, the Bible and the foundations of the faith and the foundations of the faith, which I will be putting a whole new foundations of the faith uh, course on our website very soon that you will be able to take for free. There's absolutely no charge for it. But, but you know, the foundations of the faith uh, take us on a journey. They take us on building an understanding of who God is so that we can have an understanding of who we are. And the Foundations of Faith, you know, talks a lot about uh, the whole concepts of, uh, of baptisms. Now, a baptism, there's a ceremony of baptism, which means nothing if there's not faith in your heart, if you're not connecting to some biblical reality. But the whole concepts of, of a baptism of any kind, about anything, is, is going down into the water is a picture of dying and being buried. So in baptism, you're always going to be working faith for dying and being buried and leaving that part of your life behind. And you're going to be believing that because you're raised up with Jesus and newness of life, that you have left that behind. It is no longer a part of you. It is not who you are. You can't use your past for an excuse because you just, you just killed your past. You just buried your past. And you have raised up now in a new identity that says, that, you know, this is who I am. This is, you know, this, this, this is me going forward. And so there has, to, there has to come this place where when we begin to pursue God, we start out with the baptism of repentance. Now, the baptism of repentance is based, is, a, is the fulfillment of really the Feast of Unleavened Bread. And the Feast of Unleavened Bread says, when you partake of the things of God, there can't be any leaven in your heart. Well, what is leaven? Leaven isn't just individual sins. Leaven is really beliefs. In other words, any part of my life with God, I have got to constantly look at that. I'm not evaluating me to see if I'm qualified because Jesus qualified me for all the blessings of God. Jesus qualified me for everything. All the promises of God, according to the Bible, are yes and amen for me and for you if you're in Jesus. 
Now, that doesn't mean that I believe it. That doesn't mean I'm participating in it. It doesn't mean I'm experiencing it. But that, that is God's point of view. And if I understand God, if I understand what he did in Jesus, then I realize that this is already mine. I am not trying to get this. I'm not trying to get God to do something. I'm not trying to force God to answer my prayers. So, uh, so you, you realize then that the starting place with God is the baptism of repentance. And repentance is, see, we, we have made repentance all about, you know, feeling sad about what we did wrong. Well, you know, it, if, you've got, if you've got righteousness in your heart, you probably will feel sad about what you did wrong. But that's still not necessarily what repentance is. Repentance is where I, in my heart, I turn away from these beliefs and these opinions that lead me to doing destructive things. But just not that I just turn away from those things. But then I turn and I lean into God and I say, God, you're my source. You're my hope. I want to I see this from your point of view. I want to understand from your point of view. I want to understand based on who you are. I want to understand based on what you have done for me through the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. So repentance presents really the idea of being flexible, adaptable, and teachable. That means, if you're flexible, adaptable, and teachable, that means the moment you realize any opinion about God, about life, about yourself, any opinion about anything that is not in harmony with the Word of God, you're going to let go of it. Because, you know, you had the baptism of repentance. I'm not saying you need to go out and go through the ceremony of baptism. Uh, but I'm saying that does need to happen in your heart. You need to, you need to absolutely die to give up anything that would influence any belief you have about God. Again, you know, we started off with saying that people always swear it's in the Bible a lot. God works in mysterious ways. Well, you got to give that up. You, you, you can't claim that anymore. You can't because it's not in the Bible. Yeah, but then that's how God is. No, he's not. God doesn't say he's that way. God tells you how he is. God shows you who he is and how he is. It doesn't matter what kind of conclusions you have reached it doesn't matter what your denomination, what your family, it doesn't matter uh, where you got your belief. If they are out of harmony with the Word of God, then they are absolutely not true. Now, where we want to take you to in this series, in this series is called Above, Never Beneath. Uh, and it's called, it's called The Biblical Secret uh, for Understanding How to Always Win. Now, see, God wants you to always win never lose. God wants you to always succeed, never fail. Oh, no, no, no. No, because see, God wants you to fail sometimes so he can use that pain and that suffering to teach you something. Well, I want you to, I, I would challenge you to find that anywhere in the Bible, because not only is that not in the Bible, but what it does say in the Bible is that God never tempts, tests, tries, scrutinizes, or even causes you to be in a position to strive. God's got one test for you. That's it. That's it. And that one test is a test of faith. And he says, I'm going to make you a promise. And the only thing that's going to determine your life going forward is, are you willing to believe this promise to such a degree that you start building your life? And remember, you know, one of Jesus' famous parables was about people who built their house on the sand versus people who built their house on the rock. Well, what was the difference between those two groups of people? Well, people who build their house on the sand, they hear the word, but they don't, they don't follow it. They don't build their life or they don't build their house. See, the word 
house uh, in the Bible is always a picture or a type of the heart. Because, you know, whatever's in the house, you know, the house produces a family, produces what comes out of something. And actually, the Hebrew letter for house and heart is the same exact letter. And so, and so if, if you're hearing the words of, of God, or, you know, you may reject the words of God, and so you may be a fool who doesn't know how to understand God, how to build your house. But... It doesn't matter if you're hearing the Word of God. It doesn't matter if you're talking about the Word of God. It doesn't matter if you, you know, brag on God or whatever you do. The point is, if you do not hear and obey the teachings of Jesus because you believe Him and trust Him, you are building your house in the sand. And the Bible says, Jesus Himself says, and the truth is, I don't even know you. We, you know, we've never been intimate. We've never, you've never come to me about, about how to put this into practice and how to make this you know, look in, in your life. By the way, let me mention this before we run out of time. Man, I have got an incredible series. And in my series, I always get into deep application about uh, always above, never beneath, the biblical secrets for always winning. And I just want you to understand, you can download that tonight. You can jump into that and you can use that. And by the way, my series, my audio messages are never just re-preaches of, of these videos. I put everything I can into these videos. And then I put everything for people who want to go to application and discipleship into, into the audios. And so a lot of people like to get those. And every time, every time you invest in yourselves by getting one of these audios, I want you to know you're investing in the whole world because I'm taking this, I'm using those resources to take this out to the world. In the book of Deuteronomy, uh, Deuteronomy 28, I'll tell you which is one of those chapters that scares people to death. One, one half of that chapter talks about what will happen in your life if you reject God's wisdom? Now, unfortunately, the English translations of the Bible don't even have the capability of properly translating much of the Hebrew because there is a form of speech in the Hebrew where it says, where God says, I will cause this to happen, but that is not what it says in the Hebrew. Almost, not every place, but almost every place where the Bible talks about something bad happening to you as a result of you not trusting and following God's word, it nearly never is, say, is saying that God will take action to make that happen to you. That's sort of like saying to your teenager, if you drive on bald tires, uh, there's a good probability at some point you're going to have a blowout. And when you have that blowout, you may you know, swerve over into a car, have a head-on accident. You may be paralyzed the rest of your life. But see, all of that is because of your choice, because you didn't listen to your parents. You didn't save your money. You didn't set money aside. But, but even beyond that, uh, in Galatians 3.13, we are told that we are delivered from the curse of the law because we are in Jesus. That means that uh, none of that is for us. We're delivered from it. We don't have to live. Now, we can still make stupid decisions that hurt us and hurt other people and destroy our lives, but it's, really, it's, not, it's not happening because God is uh, doling out consequences. But that, in Deuteronomy 28, verse 13, God says, now, if you'll trust me and if you'll walk in my words, this is not, you know, this is not legalistic performance to earn something from God. This is about trusting God's smarter than you are. This is about understanding how good God is and how, what he wants to bring in your life. He says, and the Lord will make you the head, not the tail. You shall be above only and not beneath. If you heed my commandments or the commandments of the Lord, the God, which, 
uh, which I command you today, and are careful to observe them. This is talking about somebody grasping them, holding on to them in their heart. And this whole series is going to be about how all of, about being above and never beneath is already yours. You're already qualified. And I'm going to help you figure out how to step into this. All right, listen, be sure and share this with other people. Go to impactministries.com, find out all the free resources we got there. We want to be a blessing to you. Thanks for listening to the weekly Impact Ministries World Changers podcast with Dr. Jim Richards. If you like what you've just heard, we encourage you to share our web address, www.impactministries.com with friends and colleagues. Be sure to check out the resources section of our website for previous podcasts and our videos. Join us next week for another great message by Dr. Jim Richards.